0: Hello everyone and welcome to the 7th Man Podcast. I'm Will Beverina. I run Dimer2k.com and write about the NBA 2K League.
1: I am Josiah Cohen and I write about the NBA 2K League for Dimer2k.com. And I'm Len and I
2: write uh, for Dimer2k about the NBA 2K League as well.
0: Yeah, if you didn't catch our last episode, we got Jordan Ross, aka Len, on the podcast now. Naturally, since he's on the Dimer team, he will be on the Dimer Podcast. Make sure you give him a follow at Len underscore 2K. We're back for episode 18. You can check out all of our previous episodes on our YouTube channel. Just search for the 7th Man Podcast. And uh, we have most of our episodes on iTunes, Podbean, and now Spotify as well. So last time on the pod, we talked about the tip-off. We didn't have a podcast last week, and uh, that's basically my fault because I lost my voice due to playoff hockey, which happens (laughs) to the best of us. But, uh, Good thing we're back this and out
1: the way tonight. Oh boy, oh boy, let's yes. talk about it. I uh, love game seven.
0: I, I, <laughs> I have the game on in the background while I'm doing this, but we are back and we are here to talk about week two of the NBA 2K League and do a slight preview of week three. Now, generally when we did this during the season last year, Josiah and I broke down a few games in depth and then kind of quickly run through the rest. Uh This time... We're going to have broader topics of discussion, which will hopefully keep things a little fresh and keep things concise as well now that we have three people on here. We're going to we're gonna try to keep it a, under an hour, around an hour at the very least. So uh, hopefully we can pull that off. First order of business, fellas. Let's talk about Blazer 5. Why not? Uh, I, I feel like even though this was a team, they were a first seed last year. They had two MVP candidates. They were kind of a bit forgotten, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, especially with the lots of sh- with the loss of shots in the offseason and uh, a lot of teams quickly building up a lot of talent through the draft. Um, they had a close loss to the Bucks last week. That was a double overtime game. Then they came back in week two with two big wins over the Warriors and Lakers. Mama and Walnut both looked like they have not missed a beat, had fantastic weeks. Where do you think Blazer 5 Gaming stands, Josiah? Do you think they're being overlooked?
1: Yeah, I actually do think they are. And I'm, I'm not usually one to say that sort of thing, but with two MVP candidates who are back in fine form and Ed Mamba really playing himself into the top three in MVP consideration, I think the Blazers are, are being absolutely overlooked right now. What do you think, Len? Yeah, I mean,
2: uh, I, I think it's fair to say that. When they go 2-0 and last week. I mean, they've only really lost to the Bucks and uh, twice now. Uh, but the Bucks, you know, they're, they've proven to be a, a, a real contender thus far. So, uh, initially, I, I think the first loss to the Bucks, everyone's like, "Oh, maybe the Blazers aren't as good as they are." But I think it turns out that the Bucks are actually better than what people originally thought. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think people are down on on the Blazers. I, I'd still, there's still a couple things as far as like team defense and things of that sort. I'd like to see them uh, get better at. But um, I mean as long as Mama and Walnut are producing at the levels they are, uh, I mean, you have to take them serious for sure.
0: Yeah, I I think that, like, them not making out of the group stage of the tip-off, like, is kind of what set all of this in motion. So you don't make the knockouts, and then you lose your first game of the week. So you're looking at a team that's 0-1, and you're looking at a team that um, lost to the Bucks and couldn't get out of their group which I think is kind of what led to all this. Uh, I think the big thing as well is everyone kind of expected that they would have to replace Schatz's production, and they went out and got a guy like King Peroxide in the offseason to try and do that, right? They, they wanted a guy to be a third option. Well, looking at their two games in Week 2, they had very balanced scoring efforts uh, in in their... Um, first game against the Warriors, uh, one player, I can't remember who, I, I, I want to say Peroxide maybe, came up one point short of everyone on the team having double-digit scoring. And then against the Lakers, everyone on the team had double-digit scoring. With the way Walnut and Mama are playing, does this team like actually need a third option to replace shots?
1: Well, I think that goes hand-in-hand hand with why the Blazers are overlooked. I think a lot of people presupposed what the meta would be, right? and and that running straight pick and roll for the most part would be a a successful but a successful tactic but one that would not reach the same heights that it did last season where the Knicks especially used that to their great advantage um but yeah no i I think the blazers are are right in there that balance scoring is going to to be useful i don't think they need to replace shots if you have the absolute best pick and roll tandem in the league and, and again that's that's not saying that necessarily they are. You have to look at um, Radiant and, and Steez as well uh, in that conversation, and no doubt others that I'm forgetting and will laugh at me on Twitter. But I think <laughs> if you have that firing on all cylinders, then that will create the other scoring opportunities in, yes, this very different meta where you don't need to replace a player of shots as caliber with exactly the same type or statistics of a player.
2: I mean, well, for me, I would say like uh... – with this it's yet to be seen as far as like will they need a third person because the best you know the best team they faced they've played them twice in the bucks they weren't able to beat them and it and it it does make you question okay to beat a team like that who literally has you know three guys who can produce on offense maybe four you could argue about uh it, it does make you question, okay, against the the teams who do have third options on offense, will they need that down the line? Uh but yeah, I mean I agree as far as being taken serious, uh, they that their pick and roll uh in Mama and Walnut is is good enough, you know, just to be taken serious and definitely I could see them making the playoffs and, and things like that. But uh as far as like what they want to do, which is win the championship and not get knocked out in the first round like they did last year. Uh yeah, it, it, to me, it's yet to be seen if they do need someone who can produce on the offensive end. I, I would like to see Peroxide step up more. I'll say that um, offensively, it doesn't hurt to have someone else who can put up, you know, twelve to fifteen a game.
1: Sure, sure. But I just want to jump in before you will and say that we have to consider that yes, you need more from Peroxide. But in that second game against the Bucks, A. Rooks, formerly known as Game Six Drake, played absolutely out of his mind. So amazing we're not going to get games like that from from individual players most weeks this season, right? So, you know, you, you weather some of those, especially in a series playoff format this time. You know, I think that's a game that win if, if A-Rooks has even 80% of the game that he had.
0: Sure. Yeah, and you, you talked about um, they lost to the Bucks twice. I mean, a win over the Warriors isn't anything to sneeze at either. I mean, the Warriors didn't have type, which I think hurt them a lot. Um, I, I think if type was there to be guarding Walnut, that game would go a lot differently. I'm not saying the Blazers would lose, but it it, it might have been a little bit closer. This was an 11-point win for them, but uh, that's a quality win over the Warriors. So, and and like, like Josiah said, I mean, A-Rooks was just hitting insane shots. Even when he was covered, he was hitting those buzzer beaters to send it to overtime and, and double overtime, so... Um, which again, I think is kind of why this is played into like, <laughs> is it possible for the Blazers to be slept on? But yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: well, I mean, and also the Warriors team, they did come back and blow out the Cavs two games after that. So, I mean, right. that, yeah. it's not, that Warriors team, even though they didn't have type and Chiquita was in the lineup, they still prove that they can still be a top, you know, top tier type team.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the Warriors are a good team. So, yeah.
2: So I agree with that.
0: Um, while we talk about Pistons GT? I think this was a team that surprised a lot of people in Week 2. They got a big win against Bucks Gaming, who we've just talked about as one of the best teams in the league. 76-68, to 68, they beat the Bucks on Wednesday night. Jacko was the guy, uh, the New Zealand product, finally came in after some visa uh, issues or the process or whatever taking so long. And uh, he immediately comes in and he scores 21 points. In his first game uh, how do the Pistons look with Jacko Josiah
1: the Pistons look uh, much improved they Jacko is the spark that they really really needed uh, I'm cautious to make prognostications about where they'll wind up in the long run you know once teams get used to Jacko's style of play perhaps they haven't watched as much film on him due to his you know playing in Australia and New Zealand pro am. Uh, where he's a very good player very versatile player too which i think come to light um, and I, it just transforms their entire team you know uh, you, you had Styles going nearly hoarse just shouting and, and so excited uh, it's really great for them and I'm glad jacko is finally over here
2: yeah no I what mean, do you think Len? yeah I, I definitely have to co-sign that jacko proved to be that spark I, I was really um you know hard on the on the Pistons for for the selection of Splash King, uh, not realizing Jacko was this good, uh, and uh, you know, I've I had conversations with him prior to the draft. You know, uh, as I posted on Twitter that you know he was adamant he just needed a chance and all that stuff, uh, and it, and he proved it. You know, I, I, and you know, it was it, great to see because I think the the main thing with this team is is the growth. Uh, you know, they they continue to get better and better and better. Uh, you know, week in and week out. And I think he was a spark of that. But also, you know, some of these other guys have really matured. Coming into the coming into the league, uh, a lot of people were skeptical about May playing on a – you know, not being able to play on a 6'11 glass cleaner and he's out here, you know, still being just as productive on that center build. Uh, you know, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he's definitely – you know, he played really good against Plondo, who's been arguably the best center to me in the league up to this point. Uh yeah, I mean, he's, he's just been great. And then, same with Styles. Like, it was, the main thing I noticed about Styles is his growth, you know, off the off the game, in, the, in a sense. Like, seeing him screaming and, and being the energy for his team, I think that's going to prove vital. Uh, I question if that team had that, and him being able to step into that role, I think it's going to be huge, because, uh, I don't know if people remember, but, he you know, he was in the 250K Finals, what was it, two or three years ago? And, you know, he, he was, like, just a recluse. He he didn't even want to, you know, talk to Paul George. And everyone's like, oh, you know, he's he, imagine him on that stage, and now he's like the the main voice for that team on that stage. So I think just growth all around is great for this team. I think Joseph and May uh, have a, a lot of uh, you know great chemistry, and you know that uh, that makes you think that's probably why the Pistons moved Ramo last year. Uh, they they probably didn't have the best chemistry between those two. So getting May and Joseph on the same page is. You know, a win in that book. So yeah, I mean, overall, just the growth of this team, they they have a lot to be optimistic about.
1: Yes. Well, what if it had been Ramo and Ed May? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that that would be even better. <laughs> I'm just looking at uh. Glass well, then who's gold. who's
0: the point guard then? Right? Yeah, who's that's the point true. Guard then
2: yeah, that's
0: true. You, you'd have to go take someone at sixteen. Maybe, but then you don't have Raymo and May. Who do you get? At 16? Who who's there what?
2: at sixteen? I feel like there's no point guard who's productive right now to the point. You know,
0: that the all the point. I don't know different. what if
1: what if what if you retain a guy who was picked 15th.
0: Well, okay. I mean, can Look, you no, really? Yeah,
1: let's. We'll we'll curtail this because it's not fair, and, and the Pistons. Uh, it wasn't Choses a
0: bad are... move at the time. I don't think it. I don't think. No, I, was...
1: and you know what? I think you know. I this makes it sound like I'm selling Joseph short, uh, which I do not intend. Um, you know, he's he's played very well. As, as Lance has some good chemistry there. Um, but I think in a case of what might have been, if so we just look at it from a strictly, strictly calculus sort of thing, where you look at you know the potential players who might have been in there, obviously it spirals. But uh, I think it's it's best to accept the guys you've got and be happy with the lineup that you have. Uh, it's
0: maybe a conversation you're gonna have at the end of the season, but yeah, I mean this fair. this week Styles he had. 18 and eight in the first game and they had 12 and 10 in the second game may went out he had 16 and 18 in the first game and then 20 and 14 in the second game so for now it's not it's not working out too bad
2: well what i will say you know in regards to the partnership if it were ramo and may they're both they both seem to be alphas. They both want to be that main center who's running pick and roll on both sides. Uh, whereas Joseph, he ran the pick and roll, the, you know, the, in the tip off, and was the main center uh, in those games. And he was able to, you know, go into a more utility role. Uh, it's who who knows if if you know you know Raymo would be willing to do that for May. Maybe he would. I mean, you don't know, but I mean, with the speculation of it, I you know, I, seeing how Joseph and May mesh, I I just think it you know it's better. You know better for for how the scenario could have turned out you know
0: yeah I mean for, for now uh, we'll have to see how, how the Pistons continue now that Jacko's in the lineup for now they're one and one with a win against a really good team and a loss against a really good team they lost against the Pacers of course but um, yeah we'll, we'll see how they go um, talking about you know the Pistons were dead last in our power rankings Uh, last week guys I don't think there's going to be much of a secret as to who's going to be last in this week's let's talk about the Grizz what's going on with them
1: I don't want to talk about the Grizz yes you do Um, yes you do I (laughs) oh man uh Len Len you go first uh yeah I mean uh
2: I wouldn't say we're like Uh. extremely critical in the sense of like we're picking on them but I mean It is evident we made a you know our our inaugural episode of our new Dimer playbook on YouTube now uh, was you know they they were our first candidate for that and you know a lot of that points to the disappointing play of Vandy to date you know he's the number seven pick uh, and he's just not playing like it you know Uh, but I don't think it's just his fault I don't think J Rod's playing well uh I mean, the whole team besides authentic African really you could make a, you can make a claim that, that none of them are playing up to the standards they should. Um, but I, I I remember it was you know, I think it was in our last podcast episode where I, I had brought up, Maybe they need to bring in someone who's more uh, X's and O's savvy uh, when it comes to the coaching end. uh, While I I think
0: I think we're all in agreement about that. I think we would all like to see that. Yeah,
2: and I think I think it just continuing to show. We kind of pointed out where they could have, you know, helped Vandy in a sense in 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 those Dimer playbook uh, videos, Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, in, in general, uh, I was high. On, I picked this team in our preview of the uh, entire league uh, to make the playoffs. I think I even had them as a maybe the number four seed, maybe it was the five seed, but I was definitely high on this team. I thought Vandy would be better. I thought J-Rod would be, would be better. I thought Authentic African would be staking his claim uh, as a potential MVP candidate, and it's just all not working out. Um, we, Yeah, I mean, you guys can – add to that that's basically where Uh, yeah
1: yeah well I think I also had the Grizz as a four or five seed um in in my projected playoffs that is not looking too good right now Uh, um it uh just it's just disappointing it's really disappointing because the league is so strong um one through 21 that you really want a team with as much talent as the Grizz to be in that conversation uh, but, you know, as we said, Fandy just is looking like an extreme rookie point guard. He, is not, he has not gotten adjusted to the league yet. Um, he and J Rod have not been efficient ball handlers and distributors that the team has, has needed. Toxic's been playing well, but, you know, I think, you know, the, there's only so much he can do on a walk. Um, and, you know, that's, that's not to say that he couldn't improve, uh, but it, it plays into the overall lack of scheme on both sides of the ball. You know, their defense has been pretty good, but their offense has been absolutely anemic. They need authentic is the saving grace at center. Um yeah, they just they just need more pretty much from four out of five or five out of five positions in some quarters just very much a struggle for them not getting it done on offense, not not doing quite enough on defense. They always seem to have this little like late spark, you know, bringing it so close against the Mavs and the Lakers, but um, just it just falls through in the end it, it's very dispiriting you know, as as we've all said we think they need more x's and o's uh, more plays more defensive schemes you know throw something unique in there throw something at teams that no one's ever seen before and uh, that's that's a way to get yourself situated get yourself comfortable get yourself doing the things that well you
2: if do. i could just jump in real quick like because uh, you know do you, like do either one of you believe that there's you know anything that could help this team besides like you know all, all, you know obviously vandy coming of age and, and him just getting used to the league and all of a sudden he's a different point guard these next uh you know the second half of the season or, or whatnot and turn this team around like do they it's the only way like uh do they make a trade or do they bring in a coach like i, I just don't know if there's an answer for this team right now
0: no, in, in no, defense you... of hold on huh? in, in defense of vandy for a second here uh i don't think he played like so awfully in week two um like his, no, his game didn't. Didn't. no his game against the kings was like a legitimately good game he had um he had 17 points and nine assists he had six turnovers but he shot six of eight and he like finally at least looked a little bit comfortable we we've kind of written about um how shaky that Kings defense might look. But, I mean, I wouldn't say he's playing horribly, and I, I certainly don't think the the offensive system does him any favors.
1: Right. That's that's certainly true. I think the system is really the, the thing that Len is alluding to that can, can really salvage the team. And, you know, in, in terms of Vandy, I think there are so many more ways to get him, get him going early in the game, you know, make him more efficient, give him, you know, more secure control of the ball I think on defense they'll throw something at teams that they haven't seen you know come up with a new you know it's 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 easier to say than done but you know there are there are people who have theorized many different um, defensive stratagems and I think you can adopt some of those throw something you know 2k is such a copycat league and you know if you jump outside the bubble and you find something that works for you then Teams will scramble to adjust to it, and you know the Grizz have just been behind the curve. You know they've just been following and not being creative. And you know if the Grizz here, if the Grizz started running horns on a third of their plays, they would score more points. If they were well practiced in it, they would just score more points because teams teams have not yet had to face that kind of set so often. Right? only a few teams really run it, and I think they the Grizz have the pieces to you know if it's just straight up stealing plays from the Pacers last year or you know devising some of their own. I think you know just come up with something different, something that gets you out of your rut. That's only letting you score what I don't know how many points they are averaging the game, but it, it's it's not be a lot 50, 50 it's in, or or below. It, I think
0: it might be below. I think it's it below. Be. So yeah.
1: I think it, I'm pretty sure it's below fifty points per mm-hmm. game which is bad change something very bad you can't you can't expect the pick and roll to between a rookie point guard um and a center who's just getting used to you can't expect that to be your one saving grace as it is for the blazers you need to throw in something new something that changes things up a bit you need to manufacture efficiency not hope for it
0: yeah um one thing i found yeah go ahead oh do you want to say something
1: well, I was just gonna say because
2: we, uh, you know, you kind of brought up a good point—not to just totally crap on Vandy the whole time, you know. They had, you know, a lot in coming to this coming into the season. A lot of people were down on the Bucks on who they brought in as far as retain players, uh, and you know, granted the Grizzlies weren't, uh, you know, them having authentic African helped, you know, kind of take the pressure maybe off of Universal Phenom as far as you know coming into this year, needing to produce, uh, not, you know, but, uh, he hasn't been talked about much at all. And I think that's kind of bad in a sense, because it's like, he, he might be the, the, the retained player who's probably not doing much at all for, for their teams. Like it, you look at all these teams and they're retained guys, you know, they're, they're they're game changers. The majority of them are game changers. And and for him, even like Joseph on the Pistons, Meek on the Bucks, they're, they're really game changers. Now with him, you don't see him have, you know, any type of big stops or hit any type, sort of big shots or, you know, take over in certain stretches of the game. So I, you know, just to take the pressure off Vandy a little bit, I don't think it's just him, him being the point guard, you're going to get a lot of that pressure. But I, 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 I've been noticing that with universal phenom, he's not doing much at all.
0: Well, that kind of ties in into what I was about to say, because one thing I, I noticed that really piqued my interest during the broadcast was Dirk saying that um, for the Grizz, the 1, 2, and 5 positions are the only ones secure on the team. So obviously that includes Universal Phenom. Now, what I don't know is when he talks about the 2, is he talking about Toxic on the lock at 2, or is he talking about like J-Rod, who's naturally a 2, but because of the meta... He's being moved to the three on the shock ring sharpshooter. Um, let's assume he's saying that J-Rod's spot isn't safe. And he's saying that Universal Phenom's spot isn't safe. What, what do we think about that? And do we agree? And what can be done there? Because they were talking about, Scott and Dirk were talking about, maybe you bring in D-Double at some point to try and just make something shake.
2: Yeah, I, for me, I've I've played against D double a few times this year, and he's really not that bad on lock. If you were able to maybe move Toxic to that four spot, or maybe J Rod to make him more comfortable, as he is more of a shooter rather than just a ball handler, uh, so he can hit more of those corner shots that are probably necessary to get more offensive spacing. I, I don't see why you don't try it. Like we said, they're you know they're the definitive last place team in our power rankings right now they haven't shown anything of promise really besides a few offensive sparks that they've got from Vandy and Authentic African in late games usually when it's too late so yeah I mean I don't know why you don't try it D-double's not a bad option I think yeah I mean there's obviously we can hindsight's always twenty twenty. we could say oh since this didn't work out they could have drafted so and so and so and so but no looking at their current you know situation I, there are different you know things that they could Throw out there and, and see if they stick.
1: They're not an untalented team, um, and when you have talent, then I, I think you can move some pieces around. You know, D double I think would would be a, a very good fill-in. You know, either at the lock, as Lund says, or or at at the four, if need be. Um, but you know, if you put them in, for example, at the four and he just stands in the corner, then you know it's not like there's a point to doing anything. So I you think know, it all comes back to the scheme. Um, back to just getting back in the lab, figuring something out, making more shots go in. That's what it's all about.
0: All right. Well, I think I think we're mostly in agreement about all that. So uh, why don't we uh, let's talk about some individual performances? Josiah, give me a player who stood out in a good way for you this week.
1: Wait, wait no, go go to Len first because I haven't figured mine out yet.
0: Len. Give me a player who stood out in a good way for you this week.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, there's I, there's definitely a, a few. Um, I, I think uh, a lot of people have already spoken about the appreciation of, of Rando playing point guard for the Hawks. So I'll speak about this other person who's also a point guard who uh, was basically game-planned, uh, In a sense, where hey, we don't believe this player can beat us, so let's see if he can. And that's uh, Maddie from Pacers Gaming. Uh, When they played uh, their matchup, I think it was against uh, the Pistons, uh, they basically from jump said, Hey, insanity, we're gonna throw you on Swizzard and we're gonna have Styles play defense on Maddie. Let's see if this guy, you know, belongs here. And uh, he proved, in my opinion, he he really proved he did. He he's he had a career high 12 points, I think, already in the first quarter. Uh, you know, coming in this year, we all knew that this team was going to be one of the better defensive teams, and the question was always, okay, who's going to score for them offensively when they need it? And you know, up to date. Uh, kind of been that player for them. Uh, and I think a lot of teams are finally taking notice. I mean, teams know of that, but now they're finally starting to game plan and say, okay, you know, Swizzert can beat us. You know, he's scoring 30 points, 25 points a game. Uh, so let's see if the, you know, this point guard they took can do it. And, and he, he proved it that game. We'll see if he can keep it up. Uh, you know, I, I think he did show some promise. The good, the, the really good thing about him is that, even when he seems to be struggling or something like that, he's he's always poised. Uh, he always seems like he's not, you know, stressing in a sense. There, there are times where, you know, you, you see a shot and you're like, whoa, what was that? But, I mean, for the most part, he, he's, he's proven poised, and I think that's why they drafted him. Uh, kind of adapted the, um, you know, Doza on no smoke type of formula where it's like, hey, we're going to live and die by Wolf and Raymo and... You know, Swizzerk, and and we'll have a point guard that every now and then can, you know, provide the spark. But he's always playing defense and he can communicate really well with our guys and he has high IQ. Um, And it just seems to be working out for this team. Uh, But yeah, uh, I I just had to really shout him out because I, I think he's kind of been thought of like oh he's just riding the coattails of, of this great team and it's great he's in that sp- position with those guys but there are going to be if they're, if they're going to win a championship there are going to be games where he's going to be needed like that and I think it was a, a you know great feeling to see uh, him step up in that in that scenario when when the Pistons came at them with that game plan
0: yeah he had a uh, 17 points on 7 for 11 shooting in that Pistons game Josiah who's a player stood out in a good way for you this week
1: I think we should talk a bit more about Jacko Um, because, you know, I was on the bandwagon for Jacko from the beginning. Uh, But at the same time, though, you know, being jet-lagged, outrageously jet-lagged, but Jacko coming over, making an impact right off the bat. Um, You know, we're we're sort of forgetting the fact that, A, he's a rookie, B, hasn't really played with these guys too much, um, and C, Dude put up 21 points in his first game, 12 in a second. That's 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 very impressive. And this was a team that really needed a jolt, and you know he he really lived up to the high expectations that were set for him. And, and that's that's very very impressive from for uh, from my perspective to come in as a rookie, um, as a, a new player in the in the country, uh, new to the stage, and you know give the team the jolt that they needed. That's very impressive.
0: So you stole mine, Josiah. But, uh, I, you know, you, it, it's fine. It's fine. Y- usually we kind of <laughs> go for like an under-the-radar player on this. I'm just going to go, everyone knows about Mama, but, I mean, 19 assists and zero turnovers mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. something I don't think we'll ever see again. I mean, that's absolutely outrageous in how good it is, especially on this 2K where <laughs> it is very hard to go an entire game without a turnover as a point guard. And the 19 assists shows that it's not like he was just keeping the ball to himself and isoing, he was uh, distributing. So, I mean, that's just an impressive performance on its own. So I think that just has to be mentioned. Um, Glenn, who is a player who disappointed you this week?
2: Oh, man. Um, It's hard, you know, for this, it's not a specific player, it's a... It's a backcourt of a team, uh, and that's the Wizards' backcourt. You know, that game, and in their games, they really were getting great production out of their front court, and you know that that game against Mavs, which was very um, high energy, felt like there was a lot at stake. Obviously, with Day Fry, uh, you know, going against his former team, uh, you kind of knew Day Fry was going to perform. It was kind of seeing who in the supporting cast was going to step up, and you were expecting more Reese and 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 JT to do that. Whereas it was, it turned out to be Gilly, and he had a you know career night that game. Uh, but yeah, I mean that 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 Wizards team wins that game if the if the backcourt plays maybe fifty percent better than what they did. They just weren't, uh, you know, what they did. They they ended up moving JT to the small forward shot sharp position, which I could see working. But then you're moving the person who's been thriving in that position to the point guard position, uh, and it's just kind of confusing to me. And that you know it ended up. Uh, back well I, I wouldn't necessarily say backfiring because it wasn't really working out for them earlier in the season with JT on point guard and Reese on small forward either but it just ended up being something that ended up working out uh Reese did he end with 10 turnovers I'm not sure I don't have the box score in front it was, of, it, was he, it was nine it was nine so he was he was almost the first player in the league this season with 10 turnovers uh and it's just you know that's just telling of, of that overall performance. I do still think Reese is a great player. I just don't know if, you know, throwing him into that much of a high-stake game, it wasn't even high stakes, but, you know, just a higher high energy. Uh, Day Fry really wanted to win that game. Uh, switching point guards in that sense. If they, I, I, I still would like, because for me, uh, JT is a great player, you know. Uh, pe- you know, people may be down on him as a point guard or as a sole ball handler. I think he could still, like I, said, I tweeted, I think that he could thrive really in this, in that small forward position. The issue is they didn't, they didn't really select anyone that could take over that point guard position. Should he make that transition? Uh, so, I mean, in that sense. Uh, I was I was looking at the roster. I was kind of thinking, you know, user pick. Uh, I know he played ball handler a little bit this year. I think he even qualified at, at the at the ball at point guard position in the combine. So. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind, you know. Putting Reese really was thriving the the first week and in the tip off on that sharp position, the shot sharp position. If you put him back there, try user pick at the point guard position, and then maybe try JT on lock. I think JT could really be a game changing lock. To me, user pick it hasn't really been playing that that well on lock either. So, I mean, with this team, their backcourt in general, I think that for me is you know was the biggest disappointment that week. Uh, yeah, not much. Not much else I really could say about it. I, I I like their personality. I like the organization as a whole. I really like you know what they do over there. But when it comes to playing on the court, I, I just I, I I'd like to see them do better.
0: Josiah, what about you? Disappointing player.
1: I, I want to reframe the question more as guy. I think you know can do more, and guy I know can do more, and I would like to see more out of uh, Strainer. You know, Strainer as a key cog in the Cavs' offense, Um, and the Cavs had a very tough week. Strainer put up 20 uh, as the Cavs lost. Uh, He put up 20 in two games combined, two losses, one against the Warriors um, and the other against the Pacers. And, you know, admittedly, those are teams with amazing, amazing lockdown defenders. Whether or not those locks are playing Um, on ball defense against you or not you know they still improve the overall defensive caliber of the team Um, but Strainer, you know I think he can just do more Um, you know he's such an important part in their scheme Um, he's been so good at the three all season right from the tip-off that you know I I think the Cavs rely on him to do a lot of their scoring and you know I've come to expect that out of him so you know I just it's again he's a rookie he's continuing to grow the Cavs are continuing to figure out their offense as a team um, but I think he's just someone who has the ability to put up more points than that and I think he'll he'll come back and do that in forthcoming weeks
2: if, if I could ask or like but in here and yeah that as you said they do put a lot of burden on him to to be that offensive you know production for that for that team uh do, the, does that make you look at like a pro at all
1: I, I consider like like Bro had a you know a better week um, this week I think you know better efficiency still has some some turnover con- considerations uh, but I thought he was a little more aggressive it def- definitely like Bro is someone who should not be given a free pass um, yeah but I think the Cavs are going to be a team that really starts deploying some plays you know former G League coach uh video coordinator austin peterson is their head coach i think they're going to break out some interesting plays some interesting s- schemes and systems and i think lego pro will fit really well into there um you know but he hasn't set the bar quite as high as strainer has so far this season and that's why strainer you know gets the the nod of approbation and consideration
0: sure sure so uh i'm gonna go with control here um it- The Lakers started this season out running vert at point guard and control at lock, which I think confused or uh, maybe maybe confused is maybe there's a negative connotation that comes with that, but at the very least surprised by such a move. Um, And so everyone was kind of clamoring, put control at point guard because the vert thing, I feel like it wasn't working. And finally they put control at point guard, and I don't think he played well enough. Um, I think this team... The Lakers are kind of a team that needs an aggressive scorer at point guard. Not every team needs a needs a point guard like that, but I certainly think that the Lakers are one of those teams. Um and he just wasn't that this week. And uh yeah, um if if uh, we we kind of saw this last year I, I think with Control as well where he tried to be that guy and it kind of came with mixed results. So uh we'll see if he can adjust to that. Um so uh some news broke today as we are recording this uh from us at dimer that the trade window the in-season trade window has been determined april 28th to june 16th was it yep yeah um
1: To, to be finalized but that's that's the decision
0: right so um obviously we have to talk about what are some potential moves that you would like to see josiah
1: I think, you know, without getting into into too many specifics here, I think you look at sort of what a team needs and where they might be able to find that. So, you know, you look at a team that we just discussed, the Wizards, you say, well, they really need a secondary scorer or even a ball handler, really, because, you know, JT has been slow to adjust to Season 2 so far. Reese, obviously, an, an untenable nine turnovers in his first game at point guard uh, even though he cut that down a bit for, for game two and then you look then you know you have to try and connect the dots and figure out a team that has an excess of scoring um, and a team that would be willing to trade and I think there there are not so many destinations around the league that have that meet those criteria for the Wizards as a trade partner but one stands out in particular look at a guy like Ball Um Ooh. I think I think, you know, I, I, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that you're going to hear news tomorrow that ball-like Seam is being traded to the Wizards. I want to make that very clear. Um, but I think ball-like Seam, who's you know, very much a secondary ball handler, and continues to be so as BP uh, uh, establishes and asserts himself in Sacramento. Um, you know, Seam is a guy that I think would fit really well on in the Wizards' lineup. Um, and might not be the priciest guy to acquire, depending on what the Kings are asking for. So it's really about connecting the dots between what teams need and if such a player is available elsewhere.
0: So, uh, well, let's just, uh, <laughs> you kind of tried to say this, but let's just make this clear. This isn't based on anything we've heard. This is just what we maybe would like to see. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, in that case, who 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 do you think would be the guy who would be shipped off from the Wizards then?
1: Well, I think it depends on the value. Um, you know, how much do the Kings value? seem? Um, I think. You know, I think the Wizards seem to be perfectly happy getting Gilly back in the lineup. I think you know Paul B is sort of the obvious guy um, right off the bat to consider setting the other way. Um, you know maybe they start out with an offer like that and then the the Kings come back and say no actually we want someone who's got experience playing on a lock we're not there's there's no power.
0: way the Kings the kings would take Paul B for I
1: like, through the, I'm working through the negotiation phase
0: I, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against Paul B but that
1: no right and so the Kings the Kings come back and say no but you have someone <laughs> who has been you know who has played on a lock? He's, he's racking up some steals per game, and you know our lock, our best lock is suspended, and you know our the guy we've got playing lock, you know he's good, but you know we're not sure if he's the long term answer, and so they say, oh maybe we want a guy like user pick. So is that a trade? You know, seem for user pick was get offense, Kings get some defense. Now, for the Kings, what I'm worried about there is, um, how do you replace that secondary scoring? Um, you know, do you trust Roman or or um use of scarbs maybe to shift down to the three? Um and and for the Wizards I think you'd have to consider, oh, would would maybe you know, can we acclimate Reese to point guard quickly? Um uh, or will hear JT play lock? But you know, I think that would definitely cure some of their offensive woes. Um and I think if the king the kings would not be displeased to get a guy like user pick, they might be displeased to give up a guy like Bolluxi.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that'd that be an interesting one. Uh, Len, what do you think?
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, for me, uh, I mean, so I'll, I'll, I kind of want to talk about the Kings a little bit too. I, obviously, they've kind of been the um, in the spotlight as far as speculation goes for when this trade window opens. Uh, a, a lot of people are speculating they'd be a team that would, you know, more than likely be, you know, make a move when that window does open. But then, you, yeah, it's like you look at these scenarios, and even the scenario that Josiah just hit on—it just doesn't make sense to me that they would move seam to bring in another lockdown, and and they drafted three of those to, uh, you know, replace Timely for the year, and none of them have been able to do that to date. And so then you bring in another one. I don't know. Just this whole Kings team, I, I think, it, it, you know, they do have assets that you know could provide value, but it just doesn't make sense. Like obviously, with the report of VP wanting out uh, and not really knowing definitively where that stands right now, um, you know, uh, you know, obviously they would want something in return. Who, you know, he's he's the highest scoring point guard or high scoring rookie right now. So I mean, obviously he's he's on the on the court. He's a talent that's you know amazing. But what are you going to get in return that maybe, you know, is maybe not producing as much on the court, but more fit off the court? And are they willing to do that? Are, are they willing to be, take more of the, okay, maybe we can figure this out because guys get get together, more, you know, get along better off the court or, and the same thing goes for Seam, you know, uh, what, what can we move for Seam? But I mean, Seam and BP really have been the bright spot for that team. You know, Colt plays, plays you know he, he he has been as good as he was last year to me but I mean he's still you know a premier center he could still be really good for that team I think the question for that team comes to the defense uh, so yeah I mean so that's where this whole scenario of trades comes to whereas I look like at a team like Atlanta who maybe has been getting better production than they thought they would from Rando at the point guard position uh, and it's not to say that Rando can't play that position, but if we're talking, thinking of championships rather than just hoping we aren't the first pick in the next year, we have to be looking at solutions to you know, maximize each position. And Rando at point guard, I wouldn't necessarily say is the best solution for that. And I, and I don't think Atlanta thinks that either. So it makes you wonder, okay... Whereas Kings drafted three lockdowns, Atlanta drafted, you know, uh, Dev Goss and Rando at the sharpshooting position. I think it's pretty evident that Rando has been the more productive uh, for that team. So maybe shop Dev Goss and see what you could get, maybe to get a a point guard in return. I know um, I was kind of speculating that maybe, uh, you know, Pistons might be interested in taking on someone like Dev Goss to pair with Insanity as they're both, you know, friends, and would have a better on-court chemistry. Uh, but that was prior to how the Pistons played this week. I think uh, you know who wants to break that team up. They seem to be getting better and better and better. So why would you want to move Styles? Because I know Styles and Randall would have great chemistry too. Um, and I think that would I think that would work in favor of the Hawks. But I, I like I said at this point, I just don't see why the Pistons would want to blow up what they have. Um, I think we could look at you know quite a few teams where we say, hey, this team you like even utah for instance where they have compete who you know maybe you know um moam easy money was some know him as uh he played really well this week on the sharp position uh but still it wasn't enough to pull him out of the holes maybe they need someone to bring in there who can play kind of like a more of like a off-ball guard position rather than just a, a, a full sharp position to help compete in that aspect so maybe if they were able to flip moem for a, a guard maybe like peroxide or someone like that who could play uh more of like a ball handling position uh because also peroxide as we were saying he's kind of been underwhelming in portland too maybe if he was to go to utah He could uh, thrive, you know, a little bit more, taking on more of the responsibility of the offense rather than just watching uh, Mama and Walnut run the pick and roll and whenever you're needed, uh, they'll call your name kind of thing, you know. So uh, there's a couple scenarios I could see happening, Um, but I mean, as far as something where it's like I could definitively see this, yeah, there's teams that have gaps. There's teams I didn't really draft well, uh, but... Yeah, I mean that, that's kind of where I stand with it. There, there's a lot that I'd like to see teams do, but I just don't know where organizations stand as far as saying like, "Yeah, let's blow this up just because this player is a, kind of an issue off the court, or this person put in a trade request, so let's blow this up." I just don't know how those teams uh, teams stand. So yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's really tricky because we're we're early into the season, so the the trade window doesn't open for another week at this point. So you you have. At least a little more time to kind of take stock of what you have, and um, what else was I was I gonna say? Um, It it, like pulling off these one for one trades is really tricky in itself. So you kind of it's hard to come out like dead even in one of these things when you consider that you have to go one for one, and there are no there's no way to include a pick in any of these trades. Um, So it's going to be tough. One I would look at is I would wonder if the Lakers don't want to try and snatch up a more true point guard Um, and trying to think of guys they could trade. If if you want someone, I think, of value, I, I think maybe you would start at Vert, who has played well, but maybe you can shift control back to the lock and ship Vert off for... I don't know. Um, I mean, even even like you talked about, you just talked about the Hawks just now, Len. What about like a vert for a Jay of Fool trade where Jay of Fool gets to move back to point guard and, and vert can stick to that lockdown position on the Hawks? Um, I'm kind of looking at that yeah. where like maybe not completely even, but at the very least like mutually beneficial. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Lakers going for a point guard, I think would be one of my things, assuming that control doesn't kind of pick it up here in the next couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, yeah, and so when you when you talk in that sense, I mean, th- there are potential scenarios I could see. I think, you know, I think that that would work in the in the sense of like, yeah, Vert's a great player, Jay's a great player. Um I, I would just, if I was Atlanta, Jay would be one of the players I would not want to move. Uh, he seems like the best option at lockdown for them. Well, obviously, Shots could play that position as well, but I, I think Shots has provided so much on that post score for their uh, offense that kind of has a deficient backcourt uh, that he could take some of that pressure off of them uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it'll be interesting, to say the least, because I, I think that, that, you know, we could see some moves, because, like we said, we we don't really get to see the side of what what's going on off the court. if they uh, feel-
0: There will be moves. Yeah. There will be moves, yeah. for sure.
2: It's just seeing, like, where... There will it, be moves. Yeah, it's just seeing, like, where, where... My main issue is I just don't know where teams stand, as far as, like, uh, my, even with the Kings, you know, like bp such a talent that it's like okay yeah i i know i keep repeating this but why why would we is it worth taking the risk of of bringing in someone off the court who's better off the court for the team who knows
0: well i mean we can't really like we can't really you know take that into consideration like we we only us sitting you know here at home we can only kind of consider the on the court implications of everything yeah um we we don't know what's going on behind the scenes for sure for so uh sure. yeah that definitely and, and makes I it a lot that, more difficult
1: i i think that in terms of value requested in return um bp is not going to be at the door on, on april 28th there there's a lot of value especially with the way he's, he's playing and the numbers he's putting up there's gonna be a lot of value being requested and returned by the kings and uh, he is not getting traded at the drop of the
2: hat. Yeah, because for me, uh, if I was in that scenario, I would think of, you know, what could we do to make our scenario better to make him more comfortable since he is such a talented player and maybe, you know, talk with him and say, you know, what do you think we could do to better, you know, your surroundings here kind of thing because he he is he is a, a franchise talent. So it, r- rather than just giving that up, you know, as we've seen sometimes in the NBA where, you know a, a players not satisfied like kobe was with the lakers they rather rather than let him go and just say oh okay we don't want to deal with it they say okay how can we bring in people who could better you know suit your skill set and and who you are as a person and player
0: yeah so it's um it there's going to be some surprises i think because there's probably quite a bit that we don't know of uh, what's going on and how things, the, the trade window is over a month long. So that's quite a few games that teams will be able to play and things will sort of start to take a little bit more shape. You know, we're we're two weeks into the season. Teams have played, what, uh, four games at most. So there's a lot more, as, as things go along, I think we may get a clearer picture of like, people who may need to be moved and, and what various team needs are and things like that. So uh, it's um, there, there's probably definitely going to be some trades, though, and uh, we'll have to see how it works out in season. It's going to be tough. Um, uh, any other trade ideas, though?
1: Let's save them for the article.
0: Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll write an article with more concrete ideas, I think. Um, so let's talk just a... Quick little bit about week three. Josiah, give me a matchup that you're really looking forward to.
1: I think, you know, there are a lot of really good matchups, but how can you not just pinpoint the Celtics 76ers right off the bat? Um, Fab suspended rematch of the tip off finals. Radiant, Stees, Profusion. It's a great matchup, great storylines. And, you know, even if the 76ers. Blow the pants off the uh, Celtics as they did last time the two teams met, and you know Fab's not even going to be out there this time. It's still a great storyline, uh, and still you know, Boston Philadelphia, still a great great rivalry.
0: Okay, uh, even without Fab, you're going with that.
1: You know what? Maybe we'll see an on the spot Ewing theory, as, as per Bill Simmons, where where you know losing a star for gives you a, a jolt and a brief boost for a, a little while. You know, what if what if Suave turns out to be amazing? <laughs>
2: huh? That'd be awesome. Yeah.
0: Could be. Uh, Len, what's the matchup you're looking forward to? Uh,
2: yeah, so I'll um I'll kinda ride the Celtics right here and say the Celtics versus uh, Kingsguard in the in the Celtics second game. Um, that'll be the King's first game of the week. Um, yeah I'm just interested to see this King's team I know they beat the Grizzlies they blew them out but they seem to be a team who's like tinkering on figuring it out and not figuring it out so uh I I just like the storyline of this game where they're kind of in that position where they're they still believe that they could prove some people wrong while people are still down on them and then we also have the Celtics where Fab will come back in that game it'll be interesting to see if he'll provide like a you know sort of Bobby Boucher at halftime type of spark where he's he comes in and Comes back in, and this team just looks like uh, the tip-off finalists that we saw in that tip-off tournament at the beginning of the year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's th- probably one of the more. I mean, th- th- there's a few interesting games, but I think with that one, uh, just with the, the suspension looming and stuff like that, uh, th- I'll be, I'll definitely be tuned in for this game.
0: Yeah, that Fab BP matchup, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. For um, sure. I'm going to go with the Heat. Versus the Mavs, um, I'm mostly interested in this game because the Mavs are 3-0. I'm not entirely sold on their performances yet. Uh, they have yep, two yep. wins over the Grizz, which was a very, very, very nervy win. Um, they held the Grizz to four points in the first quarter and still only won the game by one point. Uh, and then they beat the Wizards, and, you know, that win over the Jazz, maybe, um, I don't want to say the Jazz are, it's hard to tell at this point. So I think their matchup against the Heat is kind of their first true test of are these guys legit or are they just the benefactors of an easier schedule to start things out um, because the Heat are always a tough matchup no matter what team you are. So very interested to see that and uh, see how Jay Money matches up against dimes so yeah
2: just to say uh the combined record of their three of the, the mavs opponents is is one in eight currently so just to say how yeah everyone's been yeah
0: yeah
1: good point so good point yeah that's that's uh that's not something where you say oh i'm sold this team's going all the way and also just not that history has any effect now but the Mavs were also five and two to start last year and finished six and eight. So, history history repeats itself. It doesn't necessarily have a bearing on the present. Uh, and the Mavs certainly want to forge a new path with their new team.
0: Yeah, so that's why I picked that one. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, well, I think that's it for our podcast. Uh, Got some good discussion out of week two. Looked a bit at week three. Um, Josiah, tell the people, where can they find you in all of your content?
1: You can find me wondering about why the Grizz have not done well at, on Twitter at Josiah Cohen 13 And you can find my written musings on dimer2k.com.
0: Len, where can the people find you? <laughs>
2: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at len l e n underscore two k. Um, usually during the games, I'll, I'll write some you know blurb type commentary uh, in regards to my thoughts and things of that sort while the games are going on. Uh, and then yeah, I, I, I've written a few article written a few articles on uh, Dimer Two K in regards to the league as well.
0: Yeah, and you can find me at Will Beverina. That's B e v e r i n a, and. Uh... You can follow Dimer at Dimer2K, um, but if you're listening to this podcast and you don't follow Dimer, then what are you doing? Um, so yeah, you, we're, uh, we've been putting out a lot of content lately, to be quite honest with you. Um, we're doing weekly previews, power rankings, um, videos now. We have a video. We have a YouTube channel. Search for Dimer. We just put out our first uh, uh, video of the dimer playbook and uh, i think we're gonna have more of those out this week so um definitely check that out and uh yeah it was uh good to finally sit down again and uh do this so uh thanks everyone for listening no matter uh whether you just listen to the end or listen to the entire thing we always appreciate the support and we will most certainly see you next week to talk about week three see you then